The saying goes, when you need to lose yourself, you will find yourself in a garden. A beautiful garden can inspire us, restore us and calm us. This is Blooming Lovely with Melanie Walker. And a very good morning to you. Coming to you live from the City of Gold. Well, actually, it should be the City of Purple at the moment. Yeah, that's the northern suburbs of Johannesburg are just looking absolutely so fantastic at the moment. I know I mentioned the jacarandas last week, but at the moment, everything is purple and everybody's been taking pictures of them, especially when you come across those amazing trees which have got that cerise-coloured bougainvillea climbing up and around it. I think more and more people are doing that, which makes driving around quite difficult sometimes, apart from the fact that you have runners and cyclists on the road, which makes dodgems very, very interesting. Um, but I think the cyclists and the runners need to realise that people on the road are being distracted by the beauty which is surrounding us, because all too often we don't really appreciate the trees that we have around us, especially those poor old street trees that are getting hammered by pollution and by the shot hole borer and everything. So if you take a drive, just think about the plants that are out there. If you're taking a walk, hug a tree if you see that it's not doing well. I know it probably won't fix it, but it might make it feel a little better. Yes, this is blooming lovely and everything is blooming lovely in my world as well. And we've got a very special guest coming up shortly to chat to us about what you should be doing in your garden, what are the latest trends, what's happening, and where you can get all these resources and more. But while I've been joyriding around town, <laughs> this is what I've been listening to. This is Blooming Lovely with Melanie Walker. And yes, it's that time where we can actually have a nice long chat with somebody who I love talking to every single month, I have to be honest with you. It's from Life as a Garden, okay, and I'm calling it it. It's not an it, it's a her. She's the head garden girl who does all of the wonderful talks for Life as a Garden. Of course, that is the publicity arm of the Osana organization. So this is the best resource that you will find online, quite frankly, for anybody in South Africa. If you want to know anything about what happens with your plants or what you should be doing, or if you have any problems, that is the place to go to, lifeisagarden.co.za. So from there, we have Carrie Goodwin. How are you today? I'm very, very good, thank you. I could say I'm blooming lovely. <laughs> you are blooming lovely. And that's, it's always, as I said, it's, it's always such a, a pleasure to actually chat to you because you've got so much energy and so much lovely <laughs> warmth going and you're so passionate about what you do that it's it's one of those things that it just makes me happy and that's what it should be <laughs> <Me too>. you know <laughs> okay so Carrie what have you been getting across your desk for life as a garden this month so actually life as a garden did such really different and creative things this month because in the beginning you were talking about all the beautiful flowering plants so you, your bougainvillas and your jacarandas and I think life as a garden thought yo those are in your face and you can see them let's talk or do something that's slightly different a little bit more creative and artistic and so they put some lovely air plant activities on the um, website for children to do because some of the schools are on holiday at the moment and one of my favorites, I, I've never been a huge, I love the idea of air plants, mm. but I always thought they were really difficult to look after because I don't know if we always have enough moist, <laughs> moisture in Gauteng to be able to look after them really well. And, you know, to miss them when you put them, I mean, I tried with, and Life as a Garden even suggested when you put some of them in stockings, um, your epiphytes, and you put them in the tree and then they um, grow beautifully. And I remember doing that one year 
but it was a, a really, really terrible drought year. And these poor plants, they just looked at me and said, are you crazy? You want us to keep growing? <laughs> and I, some gardens are lucky and they have those misters in their trees. And then when you see an air plant like that, then it's absolutely inspirational. But the one activity Life as a Garden's got, which I think even I could do, was to get a rock. And it's almost like making your air plant into an ornament on your desk or somewhere in your bedroom. And then you make a little basket for it, like a spiral basket. Mm. And then you put your air plant in that. And I think more likely if you did put it on a patio or somewhere where you walk past it more frequently with a little bit of a Mr. Spray bottle close by, then every time you walk past it, you could mist it and it would, you know, then it would flower amazingly well. So I, I just love the idea of that. And I noticed that we had a customer the other day who actually was having so much success with their air plants that she just said to me, please, I'm bringing you a bag. You can just put them at the nursery and hand them out. And they were gone in seconds. But so I think some people do obviously have green fingers or air plant fingers, and it does work incredibly well. And I was so impressed with it. I wanted to give her a big hug and say, oh, thank you very much. One, for inspiring me and two, for sharing your plants, because that's what all gardeners do. But there is a thing that some people really, they just don't have any green fingers at all. I mean, I, I know a few people who have managed to kill air plants. And Carrie, we're not going to say you did because <laughs> you're, you're like the head garden girl, for goodness sake. So you can't no, be no. doing that. But I, I, I've got some just in my trees. I've got one which is on a piece of wood hanging in my back garden. And it gets yeah. like, you know, when I'm doing my pots, it just gets like a bit of a spray every now and then. But the thing is actually just to take them every now and then, like once a month, go and duck, dunk them in a bucket of water and hang them back up again. So I think that's an excellent idea. One of my favorite things, and it's not to do with air plants, but it's similar to do with your, um, oh, now my brain's gone. The... It's okay, it's Sunday. You're allowed to have no brain on Sunday. Where you feed them bananas. <laughs> Potassium, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> not to, but I'm trying, I'll think of the name of the plant. And I love that because it's also when you attach them to wood. Mm -hmm. uh, why can't I think of what it's called? Anyway, but it, I, I love the idea of like alternative. Delancia is one of them that you can feed. Yeah. But there's an, the other one, it, it almost grows on wood and it's got huge leaves. I will oh, remember the staghorn fern. Yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there eventually. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so, so that one, I also, I love the idea because to me, it's also a type of an air plant. You put it on your wood and I've seen some incredible ones in customers' gardens. And there again, and this is actually, I think it just brings out the best in people because we again had a customer who was moving house and, you know, wanted somebody to look after her, her staghorn fern. And she like gave us the recipe of the bananas, how she gives it a front one once a month. And it just, it was huge. And then we actually did manage to find another customer who was passionate about it. So we could just pass on from one to the other, this beautiful, beautiful plant. And he's got it in his garden and it's thriving there. And so I think air plants are actually, well, most plants, but air plants particularly, because they're not in roots and there's not so much soil associated with them, they are easy to share with your friends. You know, mm. I always think of when you go into those forests in Mpumalanga and Limpopo, and then you have all the, um, the moss that's hanging from the trees. Oh, the Spanish and, moss, yeah. Yeah, Spanish moss or old man's beard. And how that is just so gorgeous. And again, that's an air plant. I mean, and in terms of trending, a lot of people we had, you know, we went through the trend where it was aloes in vases in your house, which um, 
wasn't my favorite, but I heard a lot of customers then went and once they'd finished flowering in their house, they went and planted them in their gardens. And so mm -hmm. it was like upcycling your aloes. And I think now the trend is air plants in vases in your house. So I think there's just so much that you can do with them. So go and visit your local garden center and see what you can find in the different air plants. And I mean, if you're also looking for inspiration, go and look on Life as a Garden's website because they've got some really, really cool ideas for activities, either for the young at heart or just the young. <laughs> so <laughs> it's quite nice. <laughs> this is a thing um, for, for indoor plants as well. I mean, you know, a lot of people just don't have garden space. So we, hmm. we need to kind of, even if they've just got one little plant that they're looking after inside, but although these days the youngsters, your gen, what are they, Gen Z or iGen and millennials? I mean, they don't have gods. They have balconies and they have like a room which gets lots of good light. But it's also find, a thing of finding the resources and how to find out what is wrong with your plants. Because sometimes I go onto these apps, and I think I spoke about it last week, where you go onto the app and you can just take a photo of your plant. What's wrong with my plant? And then it tells you to give it coffee. And I'm like looking at this and I'm going, no. And then they say a couple of days later, and then apparently your plant's going to be looking fantastic. And it's totally unrealistic. So, I mean, I know that there's, there's a lot of information on the internet, but most people then also go and look on sites where they don't put in South Africa. So you really need to go onto a site that is specifically for South Africa, which is what Life as a Garden is all about, of course. Mm. And I was going to say, I particularly like the Ask an Expert on Life as a Garden. Oh, thank you. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I can well, say I that because think... I am the expert. <laughs> exactly. But I think you're just getting sound advice for our country. Because like yeah. you say, especially you get, especially with indoor plants and air plants, I think you would get a lot of inspiration from Instagram and photos. But then when, the, when there's a challenge, it's not like for our country. As mm. I say, you know, when I put mine outside in the trees and it was extremely dry, no wonder the plants kind of said to me, what are you doing? And I was like, okay, no, no, don't worry. You know, I'll try and rescue you and bring you back into my house and do, like you say, go and put them in a bucket of water once a month. Mm. So um, I think the way we grow in South Africa, and I mean, our climate is <laughs> changing on a daily basis, but you want to speak to people who are in the know and growing under the same conditions that you are and mm. not somebody in Japan or in Europe who's growing under completely different growing conditions. You know, their sun temperature and the heat and the light is so different. And I always think what's interesting for me with plants is probably one of the most important things to look at when you're buying a plant, whether it be for indoors or outdoors, is actually the light conditions that it needs. Yeah. Because that's and I think we forget that we all think oh no this even if we said full sun and they're like well what is full sun you know three hours of sun and I'm like no no full sun is like five hours of hot baking sun six to eight hours, hours as far of... as I'm concerned yeah <laughs> yeah you see so that that's what I think you have to try and get local advice and um yeah this is the place to get it yeah Life has gone, and of course, your local nurseries will also or yes. garden centers. The people there do know what they're talking about, so you can always. The amount of times I had people coming in with a leaf and saying, "What's wrong with it?" and I'm like, "I don't know. I'd have to see the plant." <laughs> yeah, I, I think with you know with the photos that people can take on their cell phones now as well, we mm. have quite a lot of that where people will either bring in the leaf, or then you have to say to them, "Please, can you bring in the whole plant?" or what actually happened. But it does bring us that this year we're going to have. Um, a lot more challenges, I think, with pests, because yeah. although we had a long winter, we didn't really have a those icy, freezing, cold, you know, curl under three blankets type of winter. And I think if we had two frosts and they were very early on, 
Um, so I think this year is going to be a really terrible time for pests. I can see even in our homes, you know, the flies are already there. The mosquitoes oh, are starting moths. to come. And moths. And I don't like moths. They freak me out completely because they fly, fly like they're broken. And, and, <laughs> and they're, they're so early this year. So your flies, your mosquitoes, the ants are back. Um, worms in the garden. Snails and slugs are all about. So these are all things that we have to like, try and be as organic or natural in the way that we get rid of them as well but then also yes. not use poisons because of course the birds will eat those things and the bird can get poisoned so <laughs> we had a talk yesterday and the one gentleman he was busy complaining about um christmas beetles already so i thought oh yep. goodness this is very early for christmas beetles but they weren't on his roses they were on his beans so i said oh you know the best way to get rid of christmas beetles is you put a light somewhere in your middle of your garden or bucket of water underneath it and the um, beetles will fly to the light they'll get tired and eventually drop into the bucket and then a lady chirps up and she says oh that's murder what are you doing <laughs> like, no 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 at least then the birds and other animals can eat the beetles it's not that you've um, you know sprayed them but I think there's so many wonderful products on the market that are now safe there's no secondary poisoning or I mean, for snails, they, you know, you, I used to tell customers to use eggshells, but uh, I don't think so many people are having that high protein diet that they used to have. And maybe I'm wrong, <laughs> but, um, you know, there are lots of lovely iron-based products now for snails that you could scatter around and they would have no, they kill the snails, but they have no effect on if a bird was going to eat that snail mm. afterwards or anything like that. So I, I think the uh, companies that are making the pesticides now are really taken cognizance of people's um, nervousness to use them. Mm. And they're really trying to make it so that when you do spray something, it's if you, as long as you read the instructions, because there's nothing worse than taking a, a spray home or a box of pesticide home. And then you just think, well, you know, let me just scatter this all over my garden. And you don't actually read the instructions because often you need so little for it to be effective. Mm. Um, so I, I really quite like the idea of going into a local garden center and getting good advice from the people that work there, because there is a lot of training that goes on with regards to pesticide usage. Well, the, one of the products, and I, I thought, well, how organic is this really, especially when it comes to like a snail bait, because that can be quite a thing. And mm. it's a thermal, which is... Mm. Um, I sat there and I, I don't know if, um, how many people remember or have watched um, on CakeNet, uh, the naked gardener, Arthur Menneker. He was one of my <laughs> teachers and he sat there and he took a box of pheromol and he ate these pellets just to prove yes. that it was not going to hurt you. It won't hurt your dogs, your cats. It'll only yes. get the snails and the slugs. And then, yeah. of course, it's not going to be bad for the birds when they eat the snails and the slugs as well. Yeah. So I was going to say, I always think when we describe it to the customers, we say, you know, you could have this for breakfast because it's an iron-based product. <laughs> and Pheromol was imported from Germany. And so now there's some local suppliers who are doing similar products, hmm. which again, so it's increased the range of organic products that are available. But then the other thing that I also think is really important, and now that we're having a little bit of rain, hopefully more will follow, is to actually also to feed your garden. Um, I think it's really, really important. I, I, we had, a, again, a, a customer recently who said, oh, I've given my garden lots and lots of compost, but my vegetables don't just, they just don't taste 
you know, juicy and sweet. And mm. my lettuce is a little bit bitter. And I was like, but have you, compost is great. I mean, every garden, the more compost you can add to your garden, the better. But at the same time, it's like all of us, we do need that little bit of a vitamin every now and again, you know, whether your vitamin is caffeine or vitamin A, D, (laughs) whatever it might be. We need those little bit of chocolate to make us feel fantastic. Mm. And I think that's what we have to remember with plants as well. Our soils are quite lacking in some like magnesium, zinc. You know, we have a lot of customers who will bring us in like a yellow leaf. And then I'll say to them, you know, your plant is hungry. And they're like, but plants make their own food. What do you mean it's hungry? I'm like, no, no, this is a hungry plant and you are starving it. And then they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, you know, again, go and look at the garden centers. There's such a wide variety of different fertilizers you can use for different products. You know, if you wanted that fast something to I always call it like the Red Bull of fertilizers, then look for a liquid fertilizer that you can spray on and it becomes like a laminar feed. If you're looking for the long roast dinner of fertilizers, you know, look for a granular one that can last for at least six weeks to three months, depending on which ones you use. But every plant, especially now that we are having rain, definitely needs just a little bit of a a boost. And if your plants are looking not so great, then, yeah, give them a handful of fertilizer and you'll see they'll definitely perk up. Yeah, because I mean, it is a case of, you know, people do forget to feed their plants because they think, oh, put compost on, that's all good, as you said. But now we've got the rain coming. And what happens is that the rain goes through the soil, and it's also going to be washing nutrients away. Mm. So this is before the rains come or when the rains are happening and your soil is nice and moist or if you think just before it's going to rain, especially if you're using one that needs, I mean, most of your fertilizers need to be watered in and watered in well. So it's always a good idea to water before a rainstorm comes, um, because then it will just rejuvenate the soil and make those elements then available. Um, But what we were talking about just before we came on air is. Carrie, who is not one who likes the idea of healthy vegetables um, to eat or um, exercising too hard to make them get that way, is now saying to me, but you need to exercise your plants. And I'm like, what? (laughs) What do you mean you have to exercise your plants? I'm a strong believer in exercise, not for humans, but for plants. Because with with the water restrictions that we um, are having, and we actually, the water restrictions never disappeared. We just... They were always there in the background and now it's a whole lot worse. Yeah. Um, Is that you have to, you know, water your plants less frequently to make your roots get exercise and they have to go and look for water. And that's what's going to make them strong. Well, going to make your whole plant strong from, I want to say top to bottom. So you water maybe two twice a week, but you water for 20 minutes rather than watering one, you know, 10 minutes or five minutes every day. Because I mean, that's just like kind of us having an ice cream every day, you know, it's just to quench our thirst, we have an ice cream and it feels great. And, but it's not really lasting or sustainable in any which manner. And the roots are thinking this is a party. And so if you have to give them, especially for your lawns and that sort of thing, if you're forcing them, okay, you you have to slowly, it's not like you can go and run a, you know, a marathon at the beginning of the season. Mm. You have to slowly change your watering practices and make them, you know, water, we always say preferably water in the morning. And then your plants will go and look for the water during the day. And you'll just see your plants will be so much stronger and happier and your garden will thrive because 
it knows that there's water, it's just further down in the water table. And when we have those extremely hot days, like the 30s and the 35s that we're probably gonna have in January and February, your roots are so far down that they'll always be cool. Mm. And they will help your plants survive those extreme heats that we might have later on in the season. But that's the thing, even with pots, people think, oh, I'm just going to stand here for a couple of minutes. I mean, a couple of seconds sometimes just I'll make the soil on the top wet. But the water's not going down into the root zone. And especially when mm. it comes to things like bulbs. And I'm always saying to people, don't forget, your bulb is not what you're watering itself. I mean, first of all, your bulb is like, say, maybe um, five centimeters in, in height. So it's five centimeters underneath the ground. Your roots are down below. So you need to water so that your root, uh, your water is going to get down to the root zone, which is at least 10 centimeters down. So you've got to do it slowly mm-hmm. and methodically for a long time. Okay. Preferably, as you said, in the morning, because otherwise the water doesn't get a chance to sink down into the soil before it gets evaporated by the heat again. Yeah, no, absolutely. And also it's just, we, you know, we water preferably in the morning too, because we don't want to promote fungus. Yeah. So often when it's humid and plants are wet at night, then you often, like, especially on your things like roses and beans and that you could get promote uh, ideal conditions for fungus. You know, I think whitefly even would love that. Millibug seems to be a bit of a challenge at the moment. So your pests like those lovely humid environments. So rather water in the morning and make your plants stronger. Give them cool. some exercise. <laughs> give them some exercise. Get out and give yourself some exercise as well. And get, get that water going. Perspiration. That's always going to be the sign of a healthy garden. Anyway, we're going to be talking about more things water right after we come back from this. This is Blooming Lovely with Melanie Walker. Yes, and I am Melanie Walker. This is Blooming Lovely, and I have the Blooming Lovely Carrie Goodwin <laughs> from Life as a Garden chatting to us this morning. Um, just before we went on the break, we we're talking about water, and of course, water restrictions at the moment, we don't want it to get any worse. Um, we are allowed to water our gardens between 6 p.m. and 6 a.m., which means you're going to have to get up with the sparrows uh, to water your garden. But obviously, if you can, put water into buckets. And I mean, I do that anyway, as a a matter of course, because they keep on threatening that they're going to be cutting our water off in our area to do some much needed work on the pipes, which keep on blowing here, then everywhere. So I always have a couple of buckets full of water somewhere in the house, just in case, because, you know, you can't flush a loo without that, really. If you don't have a pool, then you have a problem. So those buckets of water, you can always just like fill up your watering can and go outside and give your pot plants a little bit of water as well. But I think that we are going to have, hopefully, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, not tempting fate here, okay, that we are going to have a lot more rain coming through because it's very, very late this year. And I know that whenever we were building show gardens over at Lifestyle at the college, um, it would be bucketing down. In fact, we spent our lives in wellies. (laughs) So let's just keep on hoping that that's going to happen. But one way that you can actually um, be, and it sounds counterintuitive to say that you can be more water wise by planting and growing hydroponically. Carrie, tell us a bit more about that. (laughs) So I think hydroponics is lovely. And when we were talking about the younger generations, the concept of growing in water, actually, I remember studying it at university and we did aquaculture. So that was using the water and the fish. But um, let's go back to hydroponics first. So hydroponics is purely growing plants in water or a soilless medium. So if you go into your local garden centers, they have either, um, obviously we have water, 
but there's new little things called like lecker balls that you could grow in. So it's not soil, it's like a little volcanic ball. So you could still grow your plants in, they have, um, you know, soil provides structure for which the plants can grow. So the lecker balls help with that. Hmm. But life as a garden just has, if you were using a vase with a sieve on the top or something like that, and you were trying to grow your plants, there, there was an activity where you could do it once where you turned your Coke bottle, the top of your Coke bottle, you chopped off. Hmm. And then you put your plants into, turned it upside down and put your plants into the neck of the Coke bottle. And then the roots would grow through the, where the bottle top would be. And then at the bottom of the Coke bottle is your water. So it's a really, I mean, you can do it in all sorts of different ways. Um, Life as a garden is suggesting, you know, try, if you're going to do it properly, then go to a garden center, look at their hydroponic section and see how you can do it correctly with the right equipment, you know, pH meters, all sorts of things like that. I remember when we did hydroponics at the wine garden center, I didn't realize that there was such a science to it Mm. because trying to maintain your water at the correct pH with the nutrients that the plants need is one of the most important things, especially if you're trying to use, do more difficult crops, but they said the best crops life as a garden has suggested is blueberries, which I think everybody loves. Mm -hmm. Um, Cucumbers is a lovely, another easy one to do. Peppers is great. So even your peppers and your chilies to do hydroponically. Um, They've suggested beans. I think that might be a little bit of a harder one because all I'm imagining is the beans trying to go up on a teepee with your <laughs> with your Coke bottle underneath. So the beans is, might not be, hang on a second. Grow though. really well. <laughs> Do you know how big these plants get? And I'm sitting in here and thinking, okay, so they're, they're in a in a cool drink bottle. Um, those that's not going to be big enough for them. And will it give them enough stability? Um, how often are you going to have to keep on putting food in? I mean, what what is actually the best container? Um, or way to do it. I mean, I think some people would use like guttering. I was going to so say, yeah. Is that the way to go? So if you're doing it on a more professional, sustainable, not on your windowsill type of, um, if you were creating almost like a vertical hydroponic garden, mm-hmm. then guttering is probably one of the best ways to go. And um, I mean, the roots, they just grow so well in the gutters. You make a little hole at the top of them, pop your, clean the roots from your seedlings, if you were doing it from, you know, from your seedlings, and then you pop them in those holes. And I mean, our spinach, yo, you can harvest it so much faster when you are growing hydroponically, and especially your things like your microgreens as well, does really mm-hmm. nicely. Our um, strawberries in guttering did exceptionally well. Um, even the tomatoes, because they, you know, they almost become like a hanging plant. So I, when you're doing it, even if you were doing it in the, if you were doing the Coke bottle, I would definitely look at more your leafy greens, like your lettuces, your kale, spinach, all those delicious things. But if you were looking at guttering and doing it to feed your household, then you could definitely look at more adventurous, different crops to use. Um, but I think spinach, spinach and herbs are probably your easiest strawberries and tomatoes follow. Okay, so but I mean, you're saying growing it on your windowsill. Now, of course, once again, all of these plants need, with the exception of possibly some of the lettuce varieties or leafy greens, they need six to eight hours of sunlight a day. Yes. But that also is then going to lead to a lot more evaporation because it's such an intense kind of growing space with just water. That water is going to evaporate. So you need to keep on filling in. And of course, a lot of the people will say, oh, I'm just going to use tap water. But there's so much... 
I don't mind so much about, you know, we talk about fluoride in the water. Yes. And that is actually a health benefit, believe it or not, even though some people have an issue with it. For me, it's chlorine. Chlorine in the water is a big no-no. So I never, ever water my plants, indoor plants or anything um, kind of in a pot with chlorine, chlorinated water straight from the tap. I always put it into something and then put it outside and let it dechlorinate in the sunlight for a day. So that would be probably the better way of doing it, yeah? Yes, absolutely. I love that idea because the um, Life as a Garden suggested you either use reverse osmosis water or distilled water that you would go and get from the shops. But using the sunlight to dechlorinate it would be working perfectly. And particularly your hydroponics and your indoor plants would much prefer it. I mean, I think a lot of us kill our indoor plants because we're using the wrong water and then we're mm. overwatering them. So ah, I like your idea. I'm going to be doing that. I normally use my bucket from my shower to, you know, I use my gray water. So yes. the kids said to me the other day, why do you have buckets in all your showers? I was like, because when you're showering, you shower in the bucket. And they're like, oh, are we meant to bring those downstairs afterwards and water your pots? I said, yes, please. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, but I, um, but it was I actually, like I, learned, I learned how to do that mainly, um, just sorry, to, from having goldfish. Okay, so having goldfish, you, you needed to replace their water every now and then. And you thought, well, you can't just use the tap water. And that's where I got it from, from the fishy guys. Now, that's the whole thing is also with hydroponics and aquaponics. Aquaponics, obviously, is where you're using fish. Mm. And they then can put stuff into the water, which then comes up and then feeds your plants. And then that water trickles down and um, gets filtered through the soil or the growing medium that you've got your plants in. So fresh water back to the fish again. Yes. So it is really important. I think sometimes when people are growing hydroponically, then they think that they don't actually have to feed the plants or add extra nutrients. And they do have to do that. So if you were doing it purely hydroponically, you would have to go to your local garden center and get a hydroponic mixture that you would mm. add to your water to add food for your plants but the way of doing it with fish is incredible i remember remember there was one supplier that did it once and my dad had it at home and it was like a beautiful vase and then you put a little i mean but a big vase and you put a goldfish at the bottom and then in the middle of it there was a sieve and he grew an anthurium and then the anthurium grew beautifully the roots of the anthurium went into the water where the fish was and the fish's feces provided yeah, that's like an alliteration. And anyway, <laughs> it provided food for the plant. So he didn't actually have to give it that extra food. And this little fishy loved it. I mean, it was just like, because it could swim in amongst the roots. And yeah, it was, it was a wonderful thing to do, actually. I was sad that they didn't, I don't know what happened, but it didn't, that particular vase itself didn't sell very well. But the concept is incredible. And I think you could easily make it at home. Well, it must have been about <clears throat> probably 12 years ago, I reckon, that I saw a lot of these aquaponic setups where it was like a, like a fish tank, a, a mm. decent sized fish tank with the growing veggies on the top. And you could grow a whole lot of veggies on there as well. And it worked so well and people were really into it, but it didn't, it didn't really take off, which I think is quite sad. I think it might, maybe it's going to make a comeback now because of the water restrictions and how much water we could be using and well, saving now, mm. if you are growing veggies, you know, they always say to feed a family of four, if you were doing veggies in a flower bed, it's the size of a bed that you would have to create mm. to feed a family of four. 
So maybe if you were doing it hydroponically, it wouldn't need that much space. It could just probably be a meter by a meter type of a pond that you would be using to be able to grow your veggies. And um, it's sometimes so much easier because you don't always have to, you know, you can just pick them straight away and eat them because they're already clean. Do you do that? Do you do that, Carrie? No, of course not. (laughs) (laughs) I love putting my hands in the soil. (laughs) But I just, I like the idea of doing that. Okay. But what would you, I mean, you specifically, what would you grow for you that you would think, okay, fine, this is something which is ongoing using, even if it's a cut and come again, like we would with your lettuces or other leafy plants? So actually, I I love the idea of lettuce. It is one of the things that I do eat. And I like that you could just break it off and it comes again. The other one that I heard of recently, which I thought was fantastic, and you can see how well I eat my veggies, was the microgreens. Because if you were growing like a radish, but you didn't ever let the radish form, but the leaves of the radish actually have that same tart kind of spicy taste Mm -hmm. as um, the radish itself. And I love radishes, but to let them grow, I know even though they fast, they, um, it's just, that seems like a lot of hard work. And so now when I could just break off the leaf and get that same taste sensation in my mouth, I think that would be incredible. Um, so I would definitely look at that. I would definitely look at cherry tomatoes. You know, all those things that I'm very much like eat on the run. So if mm. I could break something off and eat it straight away, that would be my kind of eating. Um, fast food from your garden. <laughs> that is what I'm going to look at. <laughs> okay, um, and yeah. so if I was doing hydroponics, I would look at fast foods that I could, healthy fast foods <laughs> that I could just pick and run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your own little restaurant uh, just outside your back door. Not a bad idea yes. at all. <laughs> but I mean, you know, the watering thing is a bit of a problem. And I'm, I seem to live in this little, you know, I'm the eye of the hurricane where nothing happens. So I see these storms happening all the way around me. And I'm like, okay, we had like 10 drops of rain. And I can see that there's thunder and lightning, very, very frightening happening over the other side. So what other tips can we give to people when they are growing in their gardens? I mean, one of the things I know I say to people is if you're replenishing your soil or replenishing your compost, consider putting in your water retention granules, water retention agents of any kind, coca peat or whatever. But is there any way of like amending a garden that's already quite established? So it would still be using your coca peat as one or your granules. I think they are really, really important. And you can replenish them quite easily. Um, we, you know, you sell those coca peat blocks, which actually break down into, you put one block in a bucket of 10 liters of water. So, and then, sorry about the trolley in the background. Thankfully, we have some customers. So <laughs> anyway, um, and so that bucket, then when you've got, it almost feels like a type of a soil. So mm-hmm. you could almost go and mulch it into your, um, the soil in the top. And so ideally you would rather put it at the bottom of the hole. So it provides water down below. And as we were talking about exercising your plants, but if you put in it at the top, it's still going to provide a coolness. It's going to retain the water, which will keep it, the plants cooler for longer. So it is definitely one. I also like the idea. Uh, one of my favorite tools is a dibber, but obviously I use that mainly for planting. But I mean, if you were putting, like I often say to customers when they bring plants back and they've got problems that it's gone yellow and it's not um, lack of food, it's because maybe the plant is drowning. So I always say to them, you need to take a stick or we used to do a straw and then you would push it down and see um, 
that says stick <laughs> is um you know wet or what's going down on down at the bottom but like by the roots of the plants so you could also put sticks down and then drop your water retention granules or some coir down down these little holes that you've made so that the water is retained closer to the roots yeah so no, that, that's, that's, that's the thing big... is getting water down there because uh, yeah. and that's once again that deep watering earlier in the day yeah which would be very important and then the other thing i think is not only to use the water retentions for down deep below but mulching is probably one of the most important things that every gardener should do Okay, well, we're going to talk about pests in a moment because pests are one of the things, as I said, you know, we've got them so many of them. And what are the best ways of actually getting rid of them without using anything, but prevention being the better way of curing it? We'll be back right after this. This is Blooming Lovely with Melanie Walker. If you're somebody who is in need of some help for getting your fingers to turn green, and I don't mean by getting them in a piece of like paint, <laughs> you want to get those green fingers happening. Well, you know what? It's so easy if you need me advice. First of all, you can always drop us an email here at HiFM on bloominglovely at HiFM.com or pop along to the lifeisagarden.co.za site. And it actually has a little place there where it says, ask an expert. So whatever issues you have, you can send it through to the radio station or you can send it online to the Life as a Garden website and you can get the answers you need. And if I don't know something, then I always get hold of Carrie Goodwin because she has the answers <laughs> to pretty much everything. She should be the expert. Well, she is the expert. <laughs> but I try. I think try, I just, I'm passionate and love what I do. So, I mean, we're surrounded by beautiful plants and trees and flowers on a daily basis that all the load shedding and the water restrictions when you walk out into your garden it all just fades into comparison because your garden be yeah. get into the garden make a braai have some mm. fun and you know just actually enjoy the sunshine instead of sitting inside and getting all twitchy about the fact that i've got no power at the moment i can't watch tv i can't charge my phone so what leave it all behind get in the garden go and chill that's the way to do yes. it. and then while you're there and you get up close and personal with your plants you might notice that you have some little bugs hanging around especially <laughs> yeah. i know the one that most people have a big issue with um well at this time of the year because i think that even though your um um, no, just amaryllis are actually kind of a lot of them have finished flowering they're coming through some are later flowering and if your crinums have gone over you might see what we always talk about the lily borer which is now one of the ones that you have to keep an eye out for all the time that little black and yellow horrible caterpillar but there are other bugs for people who are growing fruits especially with fruit mm -hmm. flies Fruit flies this yeah. year came so early, annihilating everything. I, I mean, they've, they've even gone after my potatoes, and I'm just like, <gasps> no. Yeah, horrible, oh. horrible things. So, what I mean, prevention, as we said, an ounce of prevention, definitely worth a ton of cure afterwards because it's much easier to get that sorted before you have the problem and then try and fix that. But what are some of the easy ways for people to actually catch those horrible nunus in the garden? So I was visiting a garden center once in Mpumalanga and um, I thought it was a fantastic idea. What they had taken was yellow paper that they had laminated. And it sounds similar to the more professional, what you were speaking about with Debbie Smith last week on the radio station is the lures. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah. they took the yellow piece of paper, laminated it, and then they'd put it in around the garden center and they'd put some Vaseline onto it so that the bugs were attracted to the yellow piece of paper. And I think if you're in your garden, because there's nothing worse than going into a garden center and you're saying, oh, I've got this bug eating my plant, but we have no idea where to start. It's like going to the doctor and saying, you know, you have a headache, but you really don't know what's causing it. And um, so now when you just, then you could take your little yellow piece of paper, which has actually got the bug trapped on it. And you take it to the garden center and you say, look, this is the bug that's causing my problem. Then the garden center can give you a specific product to try and help you fix that particular problem rather than something's very general and say, well, you know, we're just going to cover all our bases and you'll have to spray or drench with this product. Mm -hmm. So I quite like the idea of trying to identify the pest first and then going to your garden center to see what, what it is that you can get to fix it. But the most important thing, like you were saying, is prevention is better than cure and is to try and make your plant as healthy as possible. So just like us as humans, you know, if we're a healthy human, you know, drink lots of caffeine and have chocolate, then um, it's, <laughs> it's going to make us stronger to all the, bug, the, the bugs that might be in the environment at the moment. Mm. And, you know, the one thing, and it's not, to do with, well, it's not to do with bugs, but it's definitely causing a lot of problems to human health is the amount of pollen and people who've oh. got hay fever. Yeah, and it's bad it's, at the moment, hey? You know, I always thought it was only grasses and that type of thing that caused it. But some of our flowering plants, like the star jasmine, it's prolific everywhere. And I absolutely love it. I mean, I'm just going around when I'm walking from plant to plant, smelling all these beautiful star jasmines. But the one lady was saying, because the rain has come so late, even at the schools and things, the amount of hay fever and little bugs and germs that are in the air, we just need the rain to kind of settle all of it. Mm. And so I thought that was quite fascinating. I never really thought of the rain as settling the bugs or trying to disperse them a little bit, wash them away. So, but I think it goes back to if your plants are healthy, then they would be more resilient to disease. Absolutely. That is definitely the way to go. I, I, I sit here and I look at my plants and I could see them the other day when actually I did have a little bit of rain and they all stood up and they were like, oh, yay. And I, I had put some food out and uncharacteristically for me, I did feed my plants for a change. Only the pot plants, mind you. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I take all of the juice out of my bokashi and out of my earthworm bin and and go and put some of that done because it's also not only like has lots of nutrients and you can put pretty much anything into a bokashi um, mm. and use the bokashi stuff and leave it and let it settle and then not just dig that stuff into um, the soil but use the bokashi juice and dilute it and then pour that over the plants just before the rain so that the rain will take it down to the root zone as well. Well, I think that's what I always think that's so amazing with plants is they can absorb their nutrients from anything. So, you know, the amount of waste that we create, organic waste that we create from our plates that, mm. um, you know, maybe somebody's fussy and they don't eat their vegetables or, but it's not something that you want to put in. <laughs> yeah. I wonder who that could in be. In the kettle black. <laughs> <laughs> but that, you know, you don't want to put it into your dustbin because you want to separate your recycled waste from your wet waste. Mm. So to have a Bokashi bin to put that into and then to be able to go and put that back into the ground. I always think it's an incredible concept of that whole, it's like the natural circular economy that you, mm. we're starting to hear about in big business terms is, you know, how businesses can create the circular economy and recycle and upcycle everything. 
And I'm thinking, but nature is doing it for us all the time. We should just be learning from them and seeing how nature has created an opportunity for circular circular economy for us as too. And I, I quite like that, that we could learn from nature and put back what we might have taken out. Yeah, um, and then you and don't have to go out and buy fertilizer either because you, you're making your own basically. Yes, but sometimes the foods that we are having are missing certain nutrients. So I think mm. we have to look at some of our fertilizers are nice general purpose ones and then some are specific. Like I never realized the joys of magnesium sulfate. You know, any yes. garden that's needs magnesium sulfate and i've heard it's not only for your garden i never knew that the magnesium sulfate or epsom salts would be so wonderful for humans as well when you I, put it in your bath and lie in a nice long bath if you save your water up of course <laughs> yes well go and take your buckets of bath water afterwards that epsom salts bath that you had then you go and water your garden water your plants. Later. absolutely a win-win for everyone <laughs> i think you are completely right and quickly before we go what is your plant of the month my favorite one at the moment that I was walking around the garden center and saw was um, the rose, which is Rainbow Nation. Mm -hmm. It's a bicolor, so it's cream and then it's got shades of pink lines in it. And Ooh. I just thought it was so beautiful. And it uh, it's a hybrid tea, but it just made me think of how beautiful we as South Africans are. And because when I saw the name, I was like, oh, this is really, truly representative of us as a people. And I, I just love that combination of us all being together, even when times are tough, because we know right, roses can survive tough times. And we as a people are surviving tough times. So to me, it was definitely Rainbow Nation. It's just gorgeous. Carrie, that was absolutely blooming lovely. Really. <laughs> you just made you just made my heart look a punt here yet. Okay, thank you so much for joining us today. And I believe you're going off to the organic market at Wanderers now to go and check out what's happening. I know they've had it for the last couple of days. Let us yes. know how it goes. I might even yes, podcast I, it myself. I was gonna say all organic and natural products expo, and it's for a representative of the whole of Africa. So I'm excited to go and see what I can find. Fantastic. Well, enjoy it. And thank you for spending your time with us this morning. And don't forget, of course, if you want to send us any emails to say that you like the show, if you don't like the show, please just keep it to yourself. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, bloominglovely at chaifm.com. We look forward to hearing from you. And of course, catch us again next week. and We'll bring you some more fabulous stuff for the garden. Take care and bye-bye. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.